Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, Paul Gray here. Thanks for being with me again. Well, today, as I'm recording this in Lawrence, Kansas, it's zero degrees outside. It is cold. And in this morning's edition of the paper, as has been common lately the last two or three weeks, we get inserts talking about gardening season and how to prepare for gardens and pictures of flowers and all kinds of things like that. So I thought it'd just be appropriate today to talk about a little harvesting thing. We're going to talk about Jesus' parable of the four soils. This is in Matthew 13. Now, I know you've, most of you have probably heard teaching on this several different times. Hopefully, today is going to be a little different take for you. It has been for me. I want to say up front that I got some inspiration for this from my friend Don Keithley, and I think it's really appropriate for today in 2021 where we are. This is Matthew 13. I'm going to teach from the Passion Translation and then a little bit of it from the Mirror Translation. So this particular day, Jesus sat by the lake shore to teach the people. Well, soon there were so many people surrounding him that he had to teach sitting in a boat while a large crowd stood on the shore. Now, as any time when you read scripture, especially reading stories about Jesus and the people he was with, I found it very helpful to put ourselves, to put myself in the shoes as best I can as somebody sitting there, reading at different times with thinking about being different people there. But for today, thinking that we are one of the disciples. So just imagine that you're one of the disciples sitting there with Jesus. And here's what it says. He taught them many things using stories that would illustrate spiritual truths. This time he said, consider this. There was a farmer. Now, the farmer is Jesus, who went out to sow seeds. And the seeds are the spoken words of Jesus. <clears throat> I mean, we know this because he explains it later on. As he cast his seeds, some fell along the beaten path, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto gravel that had no topsoil, and the birds came and ate them. Other seeds fell onto gravel that had no topsoil. The seeds quickly shot up, but when the days grew hot, the sprouts were scorched and withered because they had insufficient roots. Other seeds fell among the thorns and weeds, so when the seeds sprouted, so did the weeds, crowding out the good plants. But other seeds fell on good, rich soil that kept producing a good harvest. Some yielded 30, some 60, and some even a hundred times as much as he planted. Then Jesus said, if, if you're able to understand this, then you need to respond. See, Jesus planted one seed, 
and sometimes got a hundred times as much as he planted. Then his disciples approached Jesus, picture yourself as being one of them, and ask, why do you always speak to people in these hard-to-understand parables? And a parable is simply a story, a story that teaches a spiritual truth, but is not necessarily an actual thing that happened. Verse 11, he explained, you have been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries We've been studying hidden truths and mysteries for several weeks now. You've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of heaven's kingdom. But they, these other folks, have not. For everyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. We have enough information. We have enough revelation, even though we continue to get more and more. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. That's why I teach the people using parables, because they think they're looking for truth, yet because their hearts are unteachable, they never discover it. Although they will listen to me, They never fully perceive the message I speak. The prophecy of Isaiah describes them perfectly. Here's the quote from Isaiah. Although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand a thing I say. Now, this is true for me personally. I'd been a pastor for maybe 15 years or so, and I had a friend here in Lawrence. He was a friend. I didn't know him really well, but I used to go and see and visit with him and in his office, and he would talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. I listened to him, but I didn't understand the thing he said. I'd come home and I'd tell my wife, boy, I really like Gene. He's a great guy, but I got no clue what he's talking about. That's because... I had a religious mindset, and basically, as I look at myself now, I thought, all right, I know everything. I got this theology thing locked down. I'm not going to listen to what he's saying because it's not something I've heard before. (laughs) My heart and my eyes and my ears were closed. Jesus said, although they listen carefully to everything I speak, they don't understand the thing I say. They look and pretend to see but the eyes of their hearts are closed. Their minds are dull and slow to perceive. Their ears are plugged and are hard of hearing, and they have deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. Otherwise, they would open their eyes to see and open their ears to hear and open their minds to understand. He's saying, be open-minded. He said, then they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Now, that's an interesting statement, isn't it? He's been talking about planting seeds and producing fruit and having your mind closed and not being able to see and hear. And he says, if they did, they would turn to me and let me instantly heal them. Well, the question begs. Heal them from what? See, that's where I was when I listened to my friend. I didn't even know I needed healing from anything. I didn't know what I didn't know. Heal them from what? I believe he's saying heal them from the disease 
of not knowing who God is, not knowing who they are, and not knowing who everyone else is. That's literally a disease, a sin disease. The sin of the world is not knowing, falling short of who God is, who we are, and who everybody else is. And only Jesus can heal us from that disease. Verse 16, he says to disciples, but your eyes are privileged. And that's you. Many of you listening today, your eyes are privileged for they see. Delighted are your ears for they're open to hear all these things. You're delighted when you hear these truths about God. He said, many prophets and godly people in times past, this was in the Old Testament times, in the 400 years before the New Testament was, was well, actually the new, the new Covenant didn't take place actually till after Jesus died. But he said, many prophets and godly people in times past yearned to see these days of miracles that you've been favored to see. They would have given anything to hear the revelation you've been favored to hear. Did you know that's true for you today? The prophets in the Old Testament, guys like Jeremiah and Isaiah and Elijah, they would have given anything, Jesus said, to hear the revelation that you and I have been favored to hear. Yet, he said, they didn't even see as much as a glimpse or even hear as much as a whisper. Verse 18, he says, now you're ready to listen to the revelation of the parable of the sower and his seeds. Now you and I are ready to listen to the revelation. Now, remember, the same sower, Jesus, sowed the same seed, his specific words spoken to us, but there are different conditions of people's heart. Verse 19, the seed that fell on the beaten path represents the heart of the one who hears the message of the kingdom realm, but just doesn't understand it. That's where I was with my friend. The adversary then comes and snatches that away. And it says that the path there, the seed that fell on that path, represents the heart who hears it, but doesn't understand it. Doesn't understand it. All right. The seed grown on gravel represents the person who gladly hears the kingdom message, but his experience remains shallow. Shortly after he hears it, troubles and persecutions come because of the kingdom message he received. Then he quickly falls away, for the truth didn't sink deeply into his heart. Troubles and persecutions from what? I believe troubles and persecutions from the religious crowd who say, no, no don't, don't listen to that kind of stuff. Don't listen to... Somebody saying God's as good as he is. That's different than what we've heard before. You know, if you, you, you can't be one of us if you start believing that kind of stuff. Verse 22, the seed sown among weeds represents the person who receives the message, but all of life's busy distractions, his divided heart and his ambition for wealth result in suffocating the kingdom message and prevent him from bearing spiritual fruit. As for the seed that fell upon good, rich soil, it represents the hearts of people who hear and fully embrace the message of heaven's kingdom realm. Their lives bear good fruit. Some yield a harvest of 30, 60, even a hundred times as much as what was sown. Let's look at that in the mirror translation. This is in Luke chapter 8, verse 8. Francois translates it this way. The seed which lands in good soil, flourishes, 
and returns a, a return of a hundred to one. Then Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Now listen up with your inner ears. That's how you hear my word, and that's what makes all the difference, hearing with our inner ears. Verse 9, the disciples wanted to know what he meant by the parable. So Jesus told them, you were already given insight to understand the mystery of the kingdom of God. But I speak in parables to these people who see and hear yet struggle to comprehend. This is what the parable means, he said. God's conversation with mankind is the seed. I love it, though it translated that way. God's conversation with us is the seed that God sows. The seed on the road, that means some hear the word, but because of a typical inferior mindset, it's stolen from their hearts before it germinates, and they remain trapped in their unbelief. Now, it's not that they're somehow less than or they were, you know, born with a mindset that can't comprehend. It's that they've embraced a false mindset an inferior mindset, and they believe instead of the only true God, they believe in Adam's fictitious, dark, angry, punitive God. Verse 13, the rocky soil represents the ones who hear and receive the word with joy, but because they have no root to anchor them, their belief is brief, and in times of temptation, they fall away. Temptation to what? Temptation to going back to what they believed before, that God's not as good as Jesus reveals him to be. Verse 14, then there's the seed that landed up among thorny bushes. They're the ones who also hear the word, but in the course of life, the typical distractions that are associated with the pursuit of wealth and pleasure suffocate them before any fruit matures. 15, but the seed in the good soil are those who hear in such a way that the word finds a consistent and beautiful resonance in their hearts. And that's where many of you are today. When you hear the truth from Jesus spoken inside of you, you have a consistent and beautiful resonance in your hearts. The truth, Jesus is the truth, resonates with the truth in your spirit. You're one with him. They're the ones who continue to bear fruit in steadfast resolve and produce 30, 60, 100 times. All right, the seed again is the spoken word of Christ, the living word of God, spoken to us in person. It's not the written words of Scripture. It's not a message from what somebody else says the Bible means or whatever. No. Now, God can speak to us through other people and through Scripture. But what makes a difference, what sinks deep into our heart, what resonates with our spirit that's one with his spirit, is what we hear directly from Jesus himself. All right, most of you listening and watching are good, rich soil. You've heard the word gladly. You've discarded the false mindset of the separation and believing in Adam's false, small g, fictitious, dark, angry, punitive God. Now, we've had troubles and persecution come because of the word, because of what we believe. But most of you watching and listening now didn't fall away. Life's busy distractions and temptations to have a divided heart and the deception of riches haven't lured us away. Yeah, we've been tempted, but we haven't given in. Deception of riches can be acceptance and significance from the religious crowd. 
Now, as I look back, these aren't bad people. They're not less than or anything like that, and they will get there. But many people have fallen away after hearing this good news because they've lost or thought they were in danger of losing acceptance from their religious crowd. But you guys, most of you, you hear and fully embrace Christ's personal spoken words to us individually, and everyone eventually will too. Our lives are bearing good fruit. Your lives are bearing good fruit. Some a little, some 30, some 60, some 100 times. Now, here's a question for us today. What makes the difference? Why do we sometimes produce a little fruit, sometimes 30, sometimes 60, sometimes 100 times? What makes the difference? Well, first, let's look at this. As we look at this parable in any of Jesus' parables, Always look at it as an encouraging opportunity. Never see this or take this as a rebuke, as a criticism, as condemnation, as shaming, as you ought to do better. You ought to produce at least 30%. You're not trying it. No, no, no. Don't don't ever see it that way. See it as an encouraging opportunity to bear a huge crop of good fruit. Now, let's look at what the fruit is. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. Not our fruit. It comes from the seed of the word of Christ. So the fruit it produces is the fruit of the spirit, not fruit that we produce. We're simply the soil that the fruit begins life in. It grows and sprouts and matures. Now, when we talk about the fruit of the spirit, we, those of us who have a religious Bible background, we typically go right to Galatians chapter five, verses 22 and 23 for the fruit of the spirit. But there's another fruit that Jesus said before Galatians was written, before he revealed that to Paul, there's another fruit that Jesus says actually comes first when you're filled with the Spirit. In the Mirror Bible, John chapter 20, Easter Sunday evening, after Jesus resurrected, Jesus transmogrified in a locked room with the disciples. He just, he wasn't there one instant, and the next instant, there he was. And, of course, scared them to death. And he said, peace be unto you, just as the Father has commissioned me, so now I send you. Having said this, he breathed an effusion of spirit, capital S, upon them and said, take Holy Spirit as your companion. Some versions say receive instead of take. It's the Greek word lambano, which means to take what is already yours. And then in verse 23, he says, I've just breathed the breath of the Holy Spirit of God on you. And then he says, if you forgive someone's sins, the sins are gone and forgotten. If you don't let go, then you are stuck with them. Did you get that? As soon as they were filled with the Holy Spirit that he breathed on them, he said, now, if you forgive someone's sins, their sins are gone and forgotten. If you don't let go, and that's what forgiveness is, letting go, lifting up, letting it go away, then you are stuck with them. So what was the first gift? What was the first fruit? What was the result of receiving the Holy Spirit? Forgiveness. <laughs> forgiveness. Now, then we go to Galatians five twenty-two and 23. This is the passion. The fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all of its varied expression. Divine love, 
expressed as joy that overflows. And there's a footnote there. It says, Brian Simmons, the translator, has chosen to supply actions to these virtues, for they're not meant to be abstract virtues, but they are made visible with actions. So then he goes on to say, the fruit produced by the Holy Spirit within you is divine love in all its varied expressions, peace that subdues, patience that endures, kindness in action, a life full of virtue and goodness, faith that prevails, gentleness of heart and strength of spirit. Other translations say self-control, but it's not self-control. That's not what the original word means at all. Strength of spirit, being under control of the Holy Spirit, having the power of the Holy Spirit working in you and as you. And then he finishes by saying, never set the law above these qualities for they're meant to be limitless. Now, specifically, When I heard this parable back in my religious days, I would hear it this way. Well, Paul, there's something wrong with me because you're not producing all of these fruit, all of these qualities, all the time, let alone 30, 60, or perish the thought a hundred times. Most of you can see right away my flawed thinking there. I thought, (laughs) that's flawed thinking. I needed to produce. No, 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 no. It's the fruit of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces the fruit in me. I'm the soil. I'm seeing today, these days, that the Holy Spirit produces in me. Now, listen to this. This is extremely important. The Holy Spirit produces in me the exact fruit I need at any given time for whatever is going on in my life. Let's look at those first two fruit. Love produces joy and peace. Now, do we experience joy and peace in the midst of very trying circumstances? Well, (laughs) generally not, at least on a surface level, we don't. For example, maybe you're a teacher, and in your class, you've got a behavioral uh, situation, a student that has a behavior problem, and they lose it. And it's a safety issue for the other kids. Do you immediately experience joy and peace? Or maybe you work with a team of people at work and suddenly one of them goes ballistic. Or maybe you're in traffic and somebody else goes off with road rage. Maybe you're at a bar and somebody has too much to drink and gets belligerent. They throw chairs and break bottles and hit people. I mean, do you feel peaceful? Do you have joy then? Or maybe you're a parent and your child acts out and literally becomes uncontrollable. Will you experience peace and joy when those things happen? (laughs) Not at a surface level. You're on high alert. Your training, hopefully you've had some, your training will kick in and you concentrate and you tune out everything else and you draw all your resources in de-escalating the situation. It's not joy and peace that you need then. You need patience. (laughs) You need Holy Spirit power. You need the faith of Christ. And in the midst of that, generally, we need to be calm and gentle and kind and good. The Holy Spirit will produce in you just what you need in the measure that you need for the moment. Maybe you'll experience yourself being calm and 
under the control of the Holy Spirit for an hour in the midst of an extremely trying, awfully hard situation. That's the Holy Spirit producing in you the fruit that you need a hundred times more than you ever were able to before when you need it. All right. Now, what's our part in that? Well, for me, it's to mentally stop trying to take things in my own hands, resist taking action, doing what I think I ought to do, and thanking Christ in me for doing what he wants to do not asking him to do something. I might be asking him to do the wrong thing, but thanking him for doing what he wants to do and then letting him do it as me, using my body, my mind, my speech, my actions, under the power and energized by the Holy Spirit in me. And to the degree that I give up my rights to do what I want to do, In exact proportion to that, Christ, as me, produces a hundred times more fruit, better results than I ever could on my own. So rather than ask for Christ to produce something in me, I thank him for what I already have and say, Jesus, thank you for using that right now as me. Now, I'm learning I've got to be at this fourth stage of the the seed and the sower for that to even happen. I want to go back to Matthew 13, 11. Jesus said, you've been given the intimate experience of insight into the hidden truths and mysteries of the realm of kingdoms heaven. For anyone who listens with an open heart will receive progressively more revelation until he has more than enough. But those who don't listen with an open, teachable heart, even the understanding that they think they have will be taken from them. They deliberately shut their eyes to the truth. He says, if a person is not teachable, they stubbornly hold on to their way of doing things. Even the knowledge they think they have will be taken away from them. So they can get to the point where they realize that what they're doing isn't working. And that was true with me and and my friend. I thought I knew what was going on. I stubbornly held on to that. But eventually, the Lord got through to me because what I was trying to do wasn't working. And my heart began to open up. And that's what's happened with many of you. You're open. You're listening. You've hung in there through trials and persecution and people saying, oh, you're crazy. You're, you know, you've gone off into some new age deal or you're, you're listening to heretic, whatever. Your hearts are good. They're rich soil and you hear and fully embrace the good news. So, so what doesn't mean a harvest of 30, 60 or 100 times? And why is this limiting factor? Well, We just got to listen with an open heart. If you're a farmer and you want 100 bushels of wheat to the acre, but you're only getting 30, you want to know why. Here's a little bit of why. I'm going to close with this passage. 2 Peter 1, 8 to 15. Peter says, while you diligently rehearse the exact qualities of every divine attribute within you, the fruit of the Spirit, diligently rehearse them. The volume will rise with ever-increasing gusto, guarding you from being ineffective and barren in your knowledge of the Christ life displayed, displayed with such authority and eloquence in Jesus. If anyone feels these things are absent in their life, they're not, Peter said. Spiritual blindness and short-sightedness only veil them from you. This happens when one loses sight of one's innocence. 
The moment one forgets the tremendous consequence of the fact that we were cleansed from our past sins, one seems to be preoccupied again with the immediate sense-ruled horizon, which is what short-sightedness is all about. This makes one blind to his blessings. Spiritual realities suddenly seem vague and distant. Therefore, we don't produce the fruit that we would like to. So Peter says in verse 10, therefore, I would encourage you, my fellow family, to make every immediate effort to become cemented in the knowledge of our original identity revealed and confirmed in the logic of God. Fully engage these realities in your lifestyle, and so you will never fail. Thus, the great conductor of music, will draw your life into the full volume of the harmony of the ages, the royal song of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Having said all this, I'm sure that you can appreciate why I feel so urgent in my commitment to you to repeatedly bring these things to your attention. As indeed you've already taken your stand for the truth, as it is now revealed in the gospel. So, while I'm still in this bodysuit, Peter says, I take my lead from the revelation of righteousness, and I make it my business to thoroughly stir you until these truths become permanently bonded in your memory. He says, I'm going to repeatedly bring these things to your attention. I'm going to continually stir them up. And that's what I find myself doing. And you know why I do that? Because I forget. <laughs> I forget. We all do. Verse 14, he says, all the more, since I know that my time in this tabernacle, this earthly tent or our bodysuit is almost done, our Lord Jesus Christ has prepared me for this. In the meantime, I'll do whatever it takes to make it possible for you to be able to easily recall these realities, even in my absence. Well, that's great advice. Now, I don't have a sense that my days are numbered to just a few short days left. But I'm also aware that by the time many of you see this video, I'll be 74 years old. And I probably only have another 30 years or so to continue to remind you. So one of the things that I've done is I, I've prepared our course, the Pure Light Walker course, the eight-week course that uh, helps us get a real solid grounding of these things that Peter and Paul and John were revealing to people over and over and over again. And I'd urge you to check that out. Uh, you can go to my website, www.gracewithpaulgray.com, and just click on eight-week course and check that out. This is something that I've done. It's an online course that right now I participate with you in. Uh, but so, at some particular time, I may not be able to do that, may not be here to do that. But it's something that will help remind you of these things when I'm no longer able to do that. I'm not saying that with a morbid thought in mind. I'm just saying that's one of the things that God has helped me to do. So thank you all so much for listening today, for participating, for spending this time as we talk about one of these great parables of Jesus. And I'm so glad that your hearts have been prepared, that they're good soil, that you're listening, that you're prevailing, that you're not letting the temptations overcome you, that you're remembering and you're bearing fruit. Some of you 30, 60, 100 times. Some of us 100 times on one day and not so much on the next day. But God gives us exactly what we need whenever we need it. When we need it, we just thank him for producing that fruit in us and for giving us the power of the Holy Spirit and him living as us to bring about what we need in any given moment. 
Hey, thanks, everybody. See you all next time. Love you all. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.